Hello, my name is Dorian, and this is episode number six of the Song of the Olive Press, A Walk Through the Book of Philippians. The purpose of this podcast is to reach out and strengthen those followers of Christ who are going through an olive press. They feel as if they have been placed between two stones, and all the oil in their lives is being squeezed out of them. This podcast goes out with a hope and a prayer that God may turn our time in the olive press into a song. Thank you for coming back to my podcast and for joining me in a walk through this garden we call the Book of Philippians. I have been reading the Gospel of John, and of course there are many links to this garden we call the Book of Philippians. The writer of Philippians was a man who once was powerful and highly esteemed among his people, a man of learning who was given the best seats. People parted and made way for him whenever he entered a room. His opinion was sought after, and honor was heaped upon him. But now he is a prisoner of Rome. Before people would drop his name at parties, my friend Saul of Tarsus. But now, nobody wants to admit they even know him. Yet, in the words of this prisoner of Rome, we find such hope and faith, where we would expect to find despair and anger. Which brings us to John 3 and verse 8. Jesus speaking, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The world can never understand someone born of the Spirit. Paul was and still is a mystery to the world. And you and I, if we are born of the Spirit, should never expect to be understood. Even how we view this book of Philippians, for us to see it as a garden where we find peace and our souls are fed by the fruit on its trees, to those not born of the Spirit, it is a mystery. John 3 has another verse I saw as connected to our study on our confession of the faith that lives in our hearts. And that is the words of John the Baptist. John 3 and verse 27. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. To understand these words of John will take a lifetime. But I want us to focus on just one implication of this verse. You and I can be given things from heaven. If this is true, then we can become a part of something far bigger than ourselves, the work of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, to become co-workers with God. However, the existence of the possibility that I can receive things from heaven puts me into the place of having to make a decision. And what decision is that, you may ask? Each generation may have different ways of saying it, but it all comes down to the same thing. 
me. In my generation, we would say, I need to discover who I am. So here is the choice. Do I seek to discover who I am? Or do I seek for what is my calling? To focus on discovering me is to focus on something finite. To focus on my calling, what is the will of God for my life, that is infinite. The will of God for my life connects me with what God is doing. And that is more adventure than any of us can handle. Why do I use the word adventure? To me, adventure is the state of being challenged beyond our abilities, producing change. Now being challenged, or maybe a better picture, is being put under pressure, does not always produce change. But change always comes about by some sort of pressure. But wherever we see change, we know there had to first have been pressure to produce it. This is so crucial because of what is written in Psalms 55 and verse 19. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. The olive press you are going through is there to produce change. So with the words of John the Baptist ringing in our ears, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. And the implications of those words burning in our hearts let us look deeper to understand the connection between faith in our hearts and the words of our mouths. Reading our passage again from the New King James, Philippians 1 and verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Remember, we are focusing on the first words, being confident of this very thing as a declaration of faith. We saw clear progression. God speaking, us hearing, faith being birthed in our hearts, and then springing forth in our words affecting our lives. Romans 10.10 With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The question we need to ask now is, can it go the other way? I mean, could faith also come through me speaking out what I want or what I think should happen? And by doing that often enough, could my speaking birth faith in my heart to accomplish what I set it out to do? After all, my speaking would not have to produce very much faith. Jesus said we only need as much as a mustard seed and we could move around mountains. Plus, God would be involved. He would be like a benevolent father looking down from above, saying, Well done, my son, well done. You are learning. I bring this up because I have heard this way of thinking before. And it is a legitimate question. After all, streets go both ways. Why not this? Let's think this through. For there is a very large problem to be dealt with. 
The dilemma becomes obvious when we understand one thing. In the scriptures are a number of foundational truths. One of these is, God is righteous. Could a righteous God embrace what is unrighteous? No. Right in the beginning we have the words, For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 2 and verse 17. Now note very carefully the words God uses here, because they are crucial. He did not say, If you eat of it, I will kill you. No. He said, You will die. It was a statement of fact, a statement of consequence. This is what will happen. Why? Because a single unrighteous act would separate them and us through them from a righteous God. So they died. They were separated from the all-righteous God. And we were dead. That is, separated from the all-righteous God in our trespasses and sins. But as one unrighteous act separated us from God, the one righteous act, the cross, reunited us to the only true righteous God. Our Father can only receive us when our sin has been covered by the blood of Christ. Sorry for taking a little long here, but we need to know God cannot embrace unrighteousness. Okay, we have laid some foundation, so let's carry this a little bit further. If God is righteous, then his will must be righteous. Can my will be righteous? I am not righteous, as God is. My will can only be righteous if it is lined up with God's will. So for me to try and use faith as a means to push my will through cannot be accepted by God. Is it any wonder that Jesus taught us to daily pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. If we take that prayer seriously, we accept that our wills will have to be molded to conform with His will. For where is His kingdom to first come? Where is His will first to be done? In me, obviously. But how can this be? It is God speaking. We hear, birthing faith in our hearts, bursting out of our mouths, and affecting everything we do in life. Therefore, we must listen. Now, don't get me wrong. Our Father wants to fulfill our desires. We read in Luke 18, verse 40 to 42, in the New King James. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he'd come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, 
your faith has made you well. But this is a different thing. It is asking our Father for what we want. And God is glorified in giving us the desires of our hearts. Jehovah is revealed in his promise-keeping and his outpouring of love upon his children. We should freely ask our Father for what we want, but we need to keep in mind two things. Firstly, the how and the when. Firstly, the how and the when must be left in God's hands. We can safely assume that Joseph prayed for deliverance when he was thrown into the pit by his brothers. He was delivered, but not how he wanted. He was sold into slavery. We can assume he prayed for deliverance as he was being dragged off to an Egyptian slave market. God did deliver him, but some years later. If we leave to him to choose and command, like Joseph, we will get what we want, but a God-sized portion. You can refresh your memory of Joseph's story in Genesis 37, 39, and Genesis 50. Remember, we are asking our Father in heaven for what we want. So, the second thing we need to keep in mind is, our desires must be brought under the dominion of the will of God. Do you remember what Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, the olive press? Matthew 26 and verse 39. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I will leave you with that, and in a later podcast I will go more into the will of God and the role it should play in our lives. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you think of anyone who would be blessed by this podcast, please send it on with prayer. God willing, I will post a new podcast this Wednesday. Thank you.